Episode 5 He sat at the end of the bar, watching Tessa slobber on the bartender. From time to time he took a swallow of a bright-colored drink. He had on a brand-new short-sleeved shirt and polyester pants. That, and the look on his face, which Jackie interpreted as elemental grief, told her he'd just come back from the war. She was the only one who saw this wrecked man. "'Hi,' said Jackie, sliding onto the bar stool beside him. The beads on her belt clattered against the stool's chrome edge. Kyle flinched. "'Sorry,' she said. "'I was wondering what you were drinking. It looks good.' "'Tequila Sunrise,' said Kyle. "'I never had one before. I liked the name.' "'It's pretty,' Jackie said. "'Can I get you one?' "'Sure.' Kyle raised a finger at the bartender, who gratefully uncoiled Tessa's arms from his neck. Tessa fell on the bar and whined. "'Come back, honey. I need you.' That's my mother, Jackie said. She couldn't believe she had just revealed this to a stranger, but she felt this stranger would understand. He nodded and stirred his drink with his finger. My mom's like that, too, he said, part of the territory when you grow up in Vegas. My mom's never like this. We've never even been here before. Where are you from? Morton, California, Jackie said, in the apologetic yet defiant tone all Mortonians used when telling others where they lived. A man from Vegas would no doubt wonder how anyone could live in the city known, if it was known at all, as the armpit of Bakersfield. She sipped her tequila sunrise, which tasted like orange juice on fire, and answered the questions Kyle was too polite to ask. I like Morton because people are respectful, she said. They would never spit on soldiers or anything, not like other places. That's cool, said Kyle, shifting on his seat. They never wanted to talk about the war, Jackie thought, but she had to say something. I wish I knew how to say thank you, she said. To the soldiers, I mean. The sacrifice. I just can't imagine. I know, Kyle said. His face, already mournful, aged twenty years in an instant. Jackie took this as confirmation that he'd experienced dreadful things in those jungles and rice paddies. Later, she would learn that this was Kyle's look of shame for having achieved nothing in his life. In fact, his father had just finished publicly berating him on this very matter on the casino floor. When he'd finished, all that was left of Kyle was a tuft of red hair on the carpet. The tuft had crawled over to a bar stool, where it was now reconstituting itself with liquor. Jackie started to cry. I'm sorry, she said to Kyle. It's everything. The war, my parents, my dad left us, and my mom. Oh, God, where did she go? Jackie looked around for Tessa. She wasn't at the bar anymore. She didn't see her sister either. Come on, let's look for her, said Kyle. They found Tessa dozing in a chair in front of a slot machine. Her red halter dress had come loose at the neck, and one breast, barely restrained by a strapless bra, was foraying out into the noise and light. A small crowd had gathered to laugh. Kyle picked Tessa up and carried her up to the hotel room, where Pam lay stoned and mesmerized by the TV test pattern. Jackie and Kyle returned to the casino. Kyle introduced her to his dad, a squat, bespectacled man who warmed considerably when Kyle brought up the subject of World War II. Bert made it known that he would have served heroically in that conflict if not for his terrible eyesight. He taught Jackie blackjack and related it to the Allied strategy in the Battle of the Bulge. The pit boss, a man whose body was an almost perfect sphere, gave them a full cup of nickels for the slot machines. Kyle told her how the dealers slipped mickeys to unruly customers, how the drug made them shit and barf uncontrollably, and how the dealers would then drag them out by the dumpsters and pull their pants off. Kyle's next-door neighbor, growing up, had been a real hitman. Kyle used to walk his dog, a white poodle named Ruth. These horrible stories made Jackie laugh until she couldn't speak. Kyle's sadness and Jackie's dissolved together like fog and sunshine. There were no clocks in the casino, no windows. 
but Kyle seemed to know exactly when dawn was approaching. He led her outside to show her the greatest wonder yet, the serpentine pool. They walked along its flanks until it slipped through a waterfall and vanished under the building. On the other side, Kyle told her, was a swim-up bar. As the sun rose, Jackie and Kyle lay by the pool in a chase lounge. Kyle wrapped his arms around her and kissed her hair. The waterfall blushed. Two middle-aged women waded out through it, covering their daiquiris with their hands. You, um, want to get married? Kyle said. Yes, Jackie shrieked. To seal the deal, they jumped fully clothed into the pool and passed through the waterfall. They toasted their decision with champagne at the bar and sat on the pool steps, dripping with chlorinated water and plans. Jackie was already taking the wedding photos in her mind. Kyle in a navy blue dress uniform, herself in strapless satin, the two of them promenading under a canopy of crossed swords. Jackie couldn't believe her luck. A war hero wanted to marry her, to live with her in full view of her mother, who would learn, at last, what a good man really was. They would, in fact, have to live with Tessa until they got on their feet. Fortunately, her house had plenty of room. Kyle told Jackie he wanted to become a cop. It had been his dream since childhood, he assured her, though in reality he'd made up the idea on the spot. Jackie had just told him, bashfully, of her fondness for uniforms. A month later, when Kyle was visiting her in Morton for the second time, she found out the truth. On the vinyl beanbag chair in her bedroom, Kyle had just finished revealing to her the mysteries of the universe. Jackie suspected the universe possessed even greater mysteries than these. At the moment, however, she was preoccupied. In their daily phone conversations, Kyle had told her nothing about the war. She hadn't pushed, opting to wait for him to bring it up. Now Jackie was seeing large swaths of his body for the first time, all dusted with pinkish freckles. His skin was too tender, too free of scars. It reddened as it peeled away from the beanbag. "'We should talk about the war,' Jackie said. "'I know it's hard, but we're going to be married. "'Whatever happened to you in Nam, I need to know.' "'Oh,' said Kyle, laughing hard, "'you must have misunderstood.' "'He was not a soldier,' he explained. "'He was a twenty-five-year-old busboy. "'My number never came up,' Kyle said. "'I got lucky.' He did not look like he felt lucky. An expression descended over his face, the same one that had first drawn her to him at the Tahitian. Even now, she wanted to wrap him in a blanket and sing to him. It's no big deal, she said. I misunderstood, like you said. There are other ways to be a hero. Back then, Jackie could easily dispose of her dreams and replace them with new ones. As a matter of fact, she'd just seen an ad in the paper that the Morton Police Department was recruiting. She liked cops nearly as much as soldiers. Kyle could become a cop in Morton, she told him. He could still serve and protect. He'd have a weapon and a sharp blue uniform. Nevertheless, from then on, Jackie could not see Kyle as clearly. She couldn't capture him. He was smoke in a glass. Better or worse, an eye doctor might have asked, dropping in one lens after another. But Jackie could not tell. How could she know what she was supposed to see in the first place? Jackie had fallen for a soldier on a bar stool, had given that man her virginity. And he had never existed.